Good morning, Every Nation Church Vancouver. It's so good to be uh, with you today. Uh, we were planning to be in person, but as the strange times with the pandemic continuing, we're going to have to settle for a video connection this time. Um, I go back actually with uh, Greg all the way back to high school, um, and then later on, uh, my wife and uh, Debbie, all of us uh, became good friends. In fact, just the other night in small group, um, one of our members who's participating in the L215 course with Tara uh, mentioned, like, how did you know her? And I said, well, we knew Greg and his brother Jory. And, and then she goes, oh, yeah, you guys all came from the same village. And um, I'm thinking, yeah, so we all hail from the great village of Port Alberni. Uh, I met Greg actually in high school, only one high school in town. He was in grade 12 drafting, and I was bumped up from grade 11 drafting to 12 drafting. So even though that we were in different years, we were in that same class, and that's how we met. Some of you heard the story of us doing crazy things like fixing up cars and things in our late teens and early 20s, and uh, I was just had some spare time on my hands. I was fishing through old photos, so just to sort of bring some more insight into uh, what we were like back then. Here's a picture of myself. Um, I think that was grade 11 or 12, something right around when um, we met. So just a regular uh, dude from Vancouver Island. And then I also, I wasn't able to find one right from this year, but I did find one a couple years later. Uh, there's Greg at our residence in Vancouver. We both stayed in the same dorm. And there's Greg uh, with his Dodge Arrow and cleaning it all up. So, um, and then I got one more slide uh, of my car. That was the muscle car that I fixed up, bought when I was 16 and had it for many years. So that's just a little bit of, um, a little bit of our background and story. And it's so good that not only have we been able to be friends all these years, but now pastors uh, together in Canada in the Every Nation movement and working uh, together to see great things happen all these years. Well, I'm privileged to be able to continue your series talking about the established series based on um, the uh, Bible app for new believers that uh, your church has launched. And so we're on the week with the topic of the church's mission, the church's mission. Um, I spent some time in our Every Nation office uh, in Nashville several years, actually, and then in 2012, moved back uh, to Canada, to Toronto. And at that point, uh, I became a Raptors fan. I just loved watching basketball. I really wasn't into basketball all that much. And then, of course, there was a buildup until their championship. Got a picture of this. This is their championship in 2019. And I got thinking about what does a championship have to do with the church's mission? Well, one of the things is there has to be focus. You know, if someone came onto the Raptors team and they said, you know, and someone asked them, you know, why are you here? And the response was, well, you know, the free Gatorade, of course. Or maybe it was, you know, I just really like the Raptors uh, shirt. I just love to wear one. Or maybe a, more, a deeper reason, you know, you maybe see Kyle Lowry, the star point guard with his kids out on the court. And he goes, well, I thought if I would hang around Kyle, I'd be a better father. Or maybe... Um, you know, you think, well, I just want to get in shape, you know, so I decided to join. Um, there's all these kind of reasons that a person might give. But when I, when I share these reasons, even though that they might be some validity to the reason, um, there's something in us that says, that's crazy. 
that may be true, but that's not the reason. You know, if you ask an NBA player or any pro sports player, and you ask them, there's only really one answer. Why are you here? And it's this, to win a championship. To win. And just the other day, I was watching uh, the pre-show of a Toronto Blue Jays uh, game, and one of the new players they were interviewing. And interesting, once again, this topic came up, and the interviewer said, um, what would you call a successful 2021 season? What would that look like for you? And this new player who's just starting out on the uh, Raptors, Marcus Seaman, this is what he said. The first thing I think of is, is to win a World Series. That's not an individual goal. And for us to do that, it means for me to play to the best of my abilities. Well, to win a championship, you really do have to be a part of a team, and you have to bring your A game. Um, all winning teams have this mindset, in fact. But how do we think about the church? When we think about the church, do we think that we always have this kind of mindset or not? Sometimes we hear things like, you know, why are you at this church? Uh, well, because they have a great kids program. Or I just love being a part of a spiritual family. Or, I've always wanted to be discipled and mentored. Or, um, I just love Pastor Greg from the village of Port Alberni. You know, all of these are great reasons, but they're not the best reason. We're going to look today at the best reason. The best reason of why we really actually are a part of a local church. Understanding the church's mission. We love being a part, we love the relationships, but there's something that we're called uh, to do. And the only way that we can discover the church's mission is if we start by asking the question in the first place, why did Jesus come? You know, we just celebrated Easter where we celebrate the death, burial, and triumphal resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we really have to hold on to the reason why he came. And in Luke 19 verse 10, it simply says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus finished his work on earth, but it doesn't mean that the work is done. He's now past that mission and the purpose uh, to his church. Look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians 5. A lot of people love verse 17, which I do too, but it, there's more, more to it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that is, in Christ, he was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trans trespasses against them. And then entrust, look at this, and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. But even understanding that Christ came to seek and to save the lost and he's passed this ministry of reconciliation to us, as I've reflected on what would it take for us to have a greater sense of impact in fulfilling this mission, I don't think it's necessarily clarity that's the main issue, but confidence. Even if we were able to say, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do, I think that we need to gain and increase confidence 
in what he's asked us to do. I'm going to give you some reasons why you can join this team for a championship run. In your uh, Bible reading uh, plan, uh, Jonathan Mitchell sent me the uh, three verses that were, that were used in, in the plan. And I want to go over those three verses and then comment on them and talk about how we can regain this confidence in fulfilling what Christ has asked us to do. The first one is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The next one, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. And then one more, uh, Acts 8, a couple verses, Acts uh, 8, 1 and verse 4. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. For those of you who know uh, much about the history of the early church, it was started in great persecution. And as these, these verses show us, um, Christians were thrown to the lions, burned at the stake, all kinds of things, threatening. But for some reason, even in, under those circumstances, it was like nothing could stop them. And when I reflect, one of my deep desires is that we can get beyond because I think, at least in my life, it seems like anything will stop me. Um, and how do we get, how do we get from from this place of seeming like it's difficult to actually do this preaching, this advancement, this sharing of who Jesus was and what he can do in people's lives, to this place, again, where the early church said that no matter what was coming against them, they just kept moving forward. And it's intriguing me. From these verses, I think I have some things for us to reflect on. The first one is really about this idea of us receiving power from God. And I'm going to talk about, first of all, the Spirit's work and preparation. I think we miss something when we think about the task and the mission that Christ calls us to. Um, I think that one of the things that holds us up is that we think that we're the ones who are initiating the work of God's Spirit in another person's life. It's almost as if the time that we begin to have a spiritual conversation with a family member or a friend, that kind of the work of God kind of starts at that moment. But as we really think biblically, that's not how it works. God is already at work in people's lives. Have you ever wondered why or how it worked that missionaries could go to unreached nations where they have really no background in the Christian message, an evangelist or a pastor or just a, you know, a, a, a regular church member can begin to speak about Jesus and what he's done, and people immediately respond and say, that's what I want, Jesus come into my life. I've wondered about that. 
And then I started to think about what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, he started to talk about how just through creation, theologians call it general revelation, if you want to fancy your term for it. But it's just by thinking about life that a person with no real background and never had the Bible in their hands can start to think about life, can think about where we came from, can think about purpose. All these, these things that people have always thought about, have always pondered. And God says, and, and Paul revealed in his word, the Apostle Paul in Romans, that God actually starts speaking people way before they actually get a specific message like Jesus died for you on the cross or something that specific. In fact, in Romans 1.19, Paul said this about it. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. There's already something that God is doing in people's lives far before we begin to even pray for them. Um, God is at work, working things out righteously, lovingly, justly. With every person he has ever created, whether or not they have heard of the gospel of Jesus or not. The first time this concept um, became real to me was years ago when I was still living in Vancouver. And I can remember one weekend, I wasn't married yet, I, one weekend, I really felt strong like I should, it was a long weekend, I felt like I should go home for the weekend. Um, in those days, I was actually leading worship in this little campus church. So even though that I Monday off, I couldn't, we didn't have anyone else to lead worship. So I had to wait till Sunday afternoon and then someone zipped me out to Horseshoe Bay. I jumped on the ferry and I was tired and had a nap. And then I woke up and I thought, man, I hadn't really done much Bible reading today. So I opened up my Bible. This is just towards the end of the ferry trip. And I start reading my Bible. And then a couple chairs over this, uh, other lady, she looks at me and she says, is that a Bible you're reading? And I go, yeah, yeah, it's a Bible. And her next question was, how has it changed you? And I said, I was still like waking up a little bit. I said, well, it's not just reading the Bible that changes you, but it's actually receiving the message of the Bible, which really is that we've been separated from God and, and distanced from God and that through Jesus a payment was made so that we can actually have a new life uh, through Jesus. She looked at me dead in the eyes and said, that's the kind of change I've been waiting for. And I'm like, well, you can have it. And then right at that moment, ladies and gentlemen, we are now approaching Departure Bay. Will everybody please prepare for your departure? And I realized that, wow, you know, I've only got a few seconds here. And so we're walking off the fairway, uh, the, the fairway, yeah, we're golfing, uh, walking off the ferry, and I just said, well, where do you live? And she said, well, I live in Vancouver. I said, me too. What part of Vancouver? She said, Point Grey. I said, me too. What part of Point Grey? I said, well, I live on West 14th. She said, I live on West 16th. And she said, here, take my number and call me. I want to know more about this. So after the weekend, uh, her name is Hope, and I called her up and said, hey, I'd love to invite you to church. She said, I'd love to come. She came that Sunday and gave her heart fully to the Lord. And we're Facebook friends to this day. She ended up marrying a guy named Brian. They became missionaries in South America. I mean, it's, that was, now it doesn't always happen that way for me. I don't walk through life like that, okay? But I'm telling that story because I realized that God had already been doing work 
in this in Hope's life. And I was just kind of at the right place at the right time, or maybe you can say that God ordained this moment. But it reminded me that God is already at work out there. He's already doing stuff in people's lives. I, even during the pandemic, I just know that there are many people are probably under their breath just praying a simple prayer like, oh, God, help me. And I believe God hears those prayers. And he's already working in people's hearts. And so that's my first point is looking and reminding ourselves that the spirit of work is already at work in preparation. Secondly, I believe that the spirit is also at work in empowerment. Um, I, I had a church background. My parents did a good job in bringing me to church. Um, but I had no idea about the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Spirit. That wasn't something talked about. And when I went to university, um, it was actually one of the co-founders of our movement. Rice Brooks was preaching on our campus at UBC. And I went out to a couple of the meetings and then I asked him some questions and he said, hey, I'd like to come to your dorm room and just uh, talk to you about some of this stuff. And I said, yeah, sure. And so we did, and he talked to me and told me about, you know, what it really means to fully follow Jesus with all of your heart, how the next step after that is to be baptized, and the next step after that is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. I'm going like, wow. And uh, so he said, and we're having a meeting tonight, and then we're having baptisms, and so, you know, think about it, pray about it, and then, you know, if you show up, that means that you're going for it. And so, um, man, it was kind of a nerve-wracking afternoon, and I remember getting down on my knees, and I bet I said, oh, Lord, I don't know about all this, but, and then I, I prayed kind of not a very good prayer, probably not the greatest prayer, but I said, okay, God, I'm going to go for this, but if I make a fool of myself and all this, I'll never knew, do another thing for you for the rest of my life. So it was like kind of a silly prayer in some ways, but I think God saw the, that I was really taking a risk here. So I went there that night, I got baptized, they laid hands on me, and sure enough, I began to speak in tongues. And at that moment, it wasn't tongues, but it's the power that we're talking about in Acts 1.8. Tongues were just a sign of that. And uh, I can remember after that, from being that super shy Métis boy from Vancouver Island, to all of a sudden, I just wanted to tell people about Jesus. And I can remember setting up appointments, uh, you know, all over you know, my dorm in different places, my resident, and I would invite the pastor of the church that uh, we were affiliated with there, and I would just set up appointments, and something changed. Something, something of power came over me. Now, I just want to touch last, bit, last week, uh, Pastor Greg talked about the Holy Spirit a bit, and I just want to underscore all that he said and tell a little bit more of my story and how, uh, how I believe that the difference between being born again by the Spirit and being filled and empowered by the Spirit works. So here's what was explained to me that I never really had a concept with. Well, first of all, let's look at a scripture from the book of John talking about the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus talks about how until he was glorified, meaning 
going to his death, that was the prayer he prayed before he went to the cross. You know, God, glorify yourself in me. And so until Jesus paid the price for our sin, was died and resurrected, it, it was, there wasn't an ability for the Holy Spirit to be, come into our hearts like that. But it's interesting, after he was resurrection, resurrected, this is what happened in John 20. And if you look, there's headings, depending on what type of Bible you have, there's often headings in John 20. And the headings in John 20 say the resurrection, then talk about that. Then it talks about, says Jesus appears to Mary, Magdalene. And then the next heading is Jesus appears to his disciples. And here's what it said under that heading in John 20. Stick with me. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where Jesus is uh, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For those of you who know uh, your Bible, you'll, you'll know that back in Genesis when God made the first uh, man and woman, it said that he breathed into them the breath of life. And he also told them that if they were to sin and go their own way, that they would spiritually, that, that they would spiritually die. Now, they didn't die physically. They died spiritually. And since that moment, God has been working a plan so that we can have the breath of God back into our lives. And that's what it's meant by being said that we are actually born again. But here's an interesting thing, and this is what I needed to know, is that there's more to it than being born again. Uh, look at what Jesus said after this experience with the disciples where he breathed on them. I mean, I've got to think that if Jesus breathed on someone and said, receive the Holy Spirit, then they got it. Um, but then why would he say in Luke 24 to wait? Look at this scripture. And he said to them, this is Jesus, this is, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending you the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city. Don't go until you are clothed with power from on high. So first it's like, Here's the Holy Spirit, but wait. And then the Holy Spirit did come. And in Acts chapter 2, as they were waiting upon the Lord, this is what you looked at last week. The Holy Spirit wasn't just in them, but he was upon them. He was coming out of them. He was in all ways flowing. And I believe that is impossible, impossible to fulfill the mission that God has called without this kind of power, without this kind of spiritual activity. In fact, a uh, hundred years ago, roughly a hundred years ago, the idea of the Holy Spirit's empowerment um, was, I wouldn't say totally reintroduced to the church because it's always been there through the history of the church, but in a place called Azuzu in Los Angeles, a little over a hundred years ago, many, many people were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now the largest segment of the church and most of the Christians around the world would say that they're either Pentecostal or charismatic or another term, third wave believers, that they believe fully, not only in the born-again experience, but also in the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the power to witness, with the power that's 
more than our human effort and the human understanding. Um, finally, I want to talk about, just for a minute, the Spirit's work in conversion. Here's, here's a formula that I want you to catch. Your witness plus the Holy Spirit's work equals conversion. When we were in Calgary and we were starting uh, U Church, Sheila and I moved there and we started really, we started with no one. Um, and well, actually we had a contact of a, of a university student who had transferred his studies to Calgary. And we had a phone number of a friend in Vancouver that said, I have a backslidden brother, you can phone him. And uh, it, we didn't have a lot. But God began to move. And what I realized that it's more than just our ability. We showed up, but it's what God did. And there's one particular person who came to Christ in that season that I'll never forget. His name was Rick. One of the single moms of our little fledgling church that was meeting first just in our living room. She had said she had led a neighbor to the Lord. And this uh, lady wanted somehow for me to speak to her husband who wasn't a Christian. And she had had her life changed. And so I remember going over one evening and talking to Rick and uh, he didn't had, had no church background and didn't have a Bible, didn't really know much about anything as far as, you know, Christianity. And so I shared with him a little bit and gave him a few scriptures, gave him my testimony. I just did what I could. And then about a week later, I said, hey, do you want to meet a late again? And he said, you know, I really would. He was really open. And so I went over about a week later, I think it was, and uh, we talked again and I showed him a few more Bible verses and then... I just asked him, I said, Rick, is this something that you would like? Would you like to have Jesus in your life? And would you like to give your life to him? And would you like him to come into your life and into your heart and follow him? And, and I remember as I was speaking, this man, you know, kind of a quiet, you know, not a real excitable guy, a little bit quiet, tears started to well up in his eyes. And as I was sharing, I could just see that God was doing something in Rick's heart and in, in Rick's life at that time. And it was like I was witnessing a miracle before me. And I said, can I lead you in a simple prayer to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord? And he said, yes, please. And that night, Rick was transformed. He was born again. And then I had the privilege of being able to pray for him for the infilling of the Holy Spirit down the road. But... Um, What I took away from that experience, even as I recall it, was certainly it was one of the happiest days in Rick's life, the most, probably the most joy, joyous day of his life. But you know, it was also one of the joy, most joyous days of my life, knowing that I had a little part to play. My witness, plus the Holy Spirit's work, cause Rick to be converted, for his life uh, to be changed. If I were to conclude about the church's mission, you know, there's a, lot of thing, there's a lot of things that we've been called to do as we advance Christ's kingdom in word, in deed, and in power. But nothing more important than the life of Christ going from one heart into another, into another, into another, into another. 
If we strip it all back and we say, what's the purpose of the church? It's that. It's seeing Christ invade people's lives, reconciling people back to God. And we do this through our word. We do it through our deed, through our love, our acts of service. We also do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you. It doesn't take anybody special. All it takes is someone willing. Someone willing to say, I'll tell my little story of how Christ has changed my heart. If you can do that, then you can join the team. And if we all do that, if we all do that, we will win a championship. We will see our families, our friends, our cities, our nation, and our world transformed by the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this simple gospel. And we thank you, God, that you call us into your mission It's too good to be true, yet you do. And I pray, God, that we would be reminded today that you're already doing this, that we would be reminded today that you've already empowered us, and that you would remind us today that you do the big part. All we do is present our story and this simple, simple message. Amen. There's one last thing I want to leave you with. It's this. The reason why it's important for you to understand this is each and every person has a different relational sphere. Every single person has a different network of family and friends. So I believe that you have been placed strategically by God. No one else has that place. No one else has that exact combination of people It's important to understand that how you were situated right now is important to God and important to the mission. God bless you.